Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, the RV is headed to Tennessee to speak with Lightning Charlie. Charlie is an author and a musician, and his new album, Three Chords and the Truth, is coming out this year. So, Charlie, welcome to the RV. Thank you, Lucia. It's good to be with you today. My pleasure. I'm thrilled to talk I don't know, has your RV ever been in Tennessee before? No, that's what yeah. I was going to tell you. You are our first guest from Tennessee, and I've Very never good. been before. Very so, good. Gasoline is cheap here. We could fill the RV up for, you know, $50. Oh, we stay here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Charlie, what's your favorite thing about being from there? Uh, I would say the people. I grew up in Florida. I grew up in South Florida in Miami, but my mother is from the mountains of East Tennessee and she and my and my grandmother and uncles and aunts, they all left East Tennessee in the 50s uh, and moved to Miami Beach for work. Miami Beach was then the, the sun and fun capital and Miami Beach was was blossoming and there was, you know, work in the hotels and restaurants everywhere and they all they all uh, moved uh, to, to South Florida in the mid-50s, um, kind of like an East Coast version of the Beverly Hillbillies, if you've ever seen that, <laughs> that show where mom, dad, the kids, the dog, everybody piles the stuff on the truck and they move to Beverly. And so I was raised uh, in Miami, an international city, as you know, by uh, Southern Tennessee people. And always growing up, longed to go to Tennessee and experience the things that uh, I loved old music. I loved 50s and 60s music. And Tennessee was so different culturally. There were still in Tennessee in the 1970s, there were still um, little drive-in restaurants, you know, that you could go and you pull your car up and girls come out with a tray on roller skates and serve you milkshakes and cheeseburgers. And, and it, just the, the culture of that was so, uh, so beautiful to me in the seventies in Miami, you know, they're listening to, to disco and, and Cubarissima and stuff. And, and, you know, I was listening to Elvis and, and Buddy Holly and Chuck Berry and, and so uh, when I graduated high school uh, in Miami, I, I went to college. I chose a college in East Tennessee to go to school and moved here uh, then. And uh, I've lived here ever since. Do you miss living in Miami? I don't miss living in Miami. I miss Miami. And you feel me there as, as a Floridian uh, that deals with traffic in Orlando on I-4 and and you know the you know the deal but it's such a beautiful place my wife and and myself and our and all three of our children took a vacation uh and stayed on Miami Beach this past summer 
which was just, just incredible because our, our kids are not kids anymore. Two of them are grown. Our, our son, our two sons are 20, are 21 and 20, or excuse me, 22 and 21. I can't keep track. And our daughter is 13. So for my wife and I and all three of our children to take a vacation together um, with our sons, one's in college, one's working, to have that opportunity to have a vacation together. They had never been down there. They saw where I went to high school. They uh, got to see where I used to live down there. They got to visit my father's grave down there for the first time. It was just beautiful. We were down there last summer, stayed at the Fountain Blue on Miami Beach like big shots. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Frank Sinatra was staying uh, upstairs. There was a lot of a lot of noise up there all night with him and uh, Dean and uh, you know Jimmy Hoffa and the rest of them. It's still a great place to visit, but I, I love I love Tennessee. It's it's just a completely different world culturally. You know, it's very much slower. People are are kinder generally. Much less busy. Much less traffic. The weather is not nearly as good. So. And Charlie, where did the lightning come from? The sky. No, <laughs> the the lightning. My my nickname, and it's only a it, it's only a valid nickname if someone else gives it to you, right? If I call myself something, it's not really credible, right? If I were going to give myself a nickname, it would be uh, Handsome Charlie or something like that. But it's a, it's not true. So. I was already playing in a in a blues band and a locally popular, regionally popular uh, blues band that played clubs and taverns and such. And one night in my hometown, a friend of mine was there and saw the show. And it was I would play the guitar really um, wildly, flamboyantly, um, your husband will be glad to know that I was playing behind my head and behind my back and just with my teeth, you know, I would just, I was, I was young and I wasn't concerned about my dental work and all of that kind of stuff. And was just one of those shows that was really wild. And a friend of mine came up to us after the show and said, man, you were like lightning. I was the front man, but I was not the band leader. The band leader was a, uh, a little New Yorker uh, harmonica player from New York City. And we played Chicago style blues, Muddy Waters and Jimmy Reed and Little Walter. And and uh, the band leader heard him and said, that's it. You're lightning, Charlie. Because lightning is, is there's a couple of guys in the blues. There's lightning Hopkins and there's lightning Slim. And so I was uh, for, from then on lightning Charlie after that. It's beautiful. But nobody, nobody, Lucia in Tennessee can spell it. That's the problem. No one can seem to spell my name correctly. It's been a constant battle. I've been called all kinds of names in the press. <laughs> Colonel Parker said famously about Elvis, you know, when he was starting out, no one had ever heard even the name Elvis didn't make sense to anybody. And Colonel Parker famously said, I don't care what you say about my boy, just spell his name right. <laughs> he just wanted his name spelled right in the newspapers. You know, it's not what they call you. It's what you answer to that counts. So, Yeah. And I'm curious to know, have you always wanted to be a musician? Was it something from 
when you were a kid or just you decide to start playing and learning how to play? I was always from a little boy, like really little, loved music, was immersed in music with my family. My mother tells the story of me uh, singing Dean Martin songs when I was like three years old. I would come out of the bedroom if my mother and dad had, you know, friends over or something. Uh, I'd come out in my uh, footy pajamas. You know, the pajamas that would be for little kids that are one piece yeah. and they have the feet built into them, the little feet. I'd come out in those little pajamas and I'd sing, uh, standing on the corner, watching all the girls go by, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, they would throw pennies at me or a peanut and I, you know, and I'd go to bed. But uh, growing up, I was uh, it was unusual in my development as a as a musician that I didn't play in bands grew up when I was young. I didn't have a garage band. I didn't uh, dream of any kind of rock stardom or any of that stuff as, as a teenager. Um, I just played guitar for myself, you know, in my bedroom. It's a thing that I did um, by myself. I, I don't recall, like I'd come out as a kid, little kid and sing for people. But I don't recall ever like playing guitar for people once I took up guitar at like 10 or 11. It was just a private thing. I, I sat in my room and I learned how to play all of my favorite records by my favorite artists. All the 50s stuff, like I mentioned, all the uh, 60s Motown music and soul music and and all the British bands, all the Beatles and and. And I love Creedence Clearwater Revival and all that stuff when I was a kid growing up. Pop music was so incredible then. And I went back, you know, I was going back 10 or 15, 20 years to, you know, music that nobody my age listened to. I just soaked it all in. You know, as a child, you're so you're like a sponge, right? You can when when you're in love with something. And I guess I'm a little obsessive. Um I just, you know, eat, drink, sleep, everything, music. And um, I have an aunt, Jeanette, who um, lived and worked on Miami Beach for her whole adult life, who never had kids of, of her own, was never married. So me and my older brother and sister uh, were her babies. She used to call us her uh, bubalas or her shaney yingalas, which is uh, Yiddish words that mean uh, beautiful babies or beautiful darlings. And so she was like our second mother. She was just something else. Our daughter is named after her. Her middle name is our daughter's middle name is Jeanette. So uh, when Jeanette, my aunt Jeanette was uh, growing up in East Tennessee before they moved everybody south to Miami. My grandmother, who was a seamstress and not a musician, not a singer, not a pianist, my grandmother wrote a song. And I don't know her to have written any other songs before or since. And I don't have a copy of that song now. But my grandmother, the story goes, wrote a song. She thought, this is a great song. It would be a hit if the right person sung it. And so who's going to sing her song? Well, how about Elvis Presley? Well, uh, yeah, he's the biggest star in the world in 1957. 
So my grandmother puts my Aunt Jeanette, her daughter, from Memphis, Tennessee, which is 450 miles on a bus. It probably took, you know, 24 hours <laughs> to go. My Aunt Jeanette was 17 years old. Okay. So my, yeah. My grandmother, everybody in your audience is making the same face like, what? It's so crazy, right? She puts my Aunt Jeanette at 17 on a bus to take a 450-mile bus trip to Memphis where they know no one. They don't know Elvis nor anyone else in Memphis to take this song to Elvis to record this song and sing it. Um, (laughs) I know. It's crazy, right? crazy and i feel the same way or more so than than you or you and and our listeners that it's nuts because i know my grandmother to have been a very uh sensible stable hard-working wonderful mother to her kids it it just makes no sense to me so my aunt gets off the bus in memphis and and gets a cab or whatever to graceland that elvis had just bought graceland a few months prior so she doesn't have any way to get, you know, a song. so she's hanging out at the gates with dozens of other, you know, fans there all day and everybody's talking and just hanging out. And the gatekeeper there, the uniformed gatekeeper is talking to all of the fans and stuff. And when the gatekeeper found out that my aunt was 500 miles from home alone there, he invited her to come home with him and have a home cooked meal with his wife and kids. And so my aunt agreed. And so when his shift was up, he had her, he opened the gates to have her come in to get into the golf cart, to go up the driveway to his car. She thought to go get in his car and go to his house and his wife would make dinner. And he told her he had two sons that were her age. And, and when they got to the top of the hill at the house, He got out and started walking towards Graceland and she didn't get out. She just thought something was wrong. And she, you know, she said, I thought we were going to your house for dinner. And he said, we are. This is my house. I'm Elvis's uncle. Me and my wife and kids live here. Come on. (laughs) And took her into the house where she met his wife, Lorraine, and their two sons, which are Elvis's first cousins, Billy and Bobby Smith. Billy Smith was with Elvis his entire life, was with him the night he died. And that started a relationship between my aunt and Elvis and his family. And she would go out with Elvis. She went, uh, you know, she would go out, you know, not as a date with him, but just as a member of the gang of people uh, that would go roller skating or to the movies or whatever. And she ended up at the end of the story is don't know what happened with the song. Don't know if she ever, she probably, I don't know. She probably, yeah, this, the song just exploded when she, but uh, we don't know what happened with the song, but she uh, maintained a relationship with unbelievable, uh, unbelievable for years. Uh, And uh, I, I didn't get to meet Elvis, but I got to meet the rest of the family, uh, stayed with his aunt Lorraine at her house, uh, got to see Elvis's like study Bible and that he had written and every margin of and from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, he 
and some jewelry of his and things. And, and, uh, but growing up, hearing my aunt who was a second mommy to, to, to me and my brother and sister, hearing her tell stories firsthand of the greatest star in the universe really impacted me as a, as a little boy. And as someone who just absolutely adored music, when I came away to college and started playing guitar with friends in college and stuff, I ended up getting in a band as a guitar player and we lost our singer the band leader, we were auditioning singers and the band leader finally gave up and said, you sing better than all these singers and you're the singer. And I said, I'm not a singer. And he said, well, you are now. <laughs> and uh, That's how it kind of morphed into me being in a band and, and, and starting to sing as a front man in a band. And I just uh, kept learning and kept uh, working at it and stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you work hard enough at something, you know, there's there's nothing impossible. Exactly. I saw in your Jonathan Stoddard interview. I read that you asked what his favorite word was. You remember that? And he said impossible. Yes. Because it had, I'm possible in the word. And uh, that's that's true. It's been true in my life. You know, I feel that you're doing God's will when when your greatest joy and the world's greatest need meet. And, and my greatest joy was always music. Music is so essential. It gives our world color and life. We play shows and we've done stuff all over the world. People that don't speak a word of English, you know, it's just the universal language. It brings people together. It's, it's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at, like a B&B &B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What a blessing to be able to uh, making music. Yes. When I listen to old songs, then it transports me to my friends and yes. parents. It's, yes. Relationships. You know, it's it's the soundtrack of our lives. You know, you, 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 you associate songs with people, right? With family members, like you hear a song and it reminds you of your sister or your mom or, you know. It's beautiful that way. And I play, you know, lots and lots of shows now in senior care facilities. I'm a performer that goes, uh, plays about 12, 15 shows a month in nursing homes, assisted livings, memory care. And I get to see firsthand uh, these miracles in front of me where people who, um, because of uh, maybe Alzheimer's or dementia, uh, don't recognize their family, but all of a sudden they're singing every word to 
a song they haven't heard for 70 years. You know, they're singing You Are My Sunshine or, or Tennessee Waltz or something. And uh, the staff starts crying and the family members start crying and I start crying. And, Everybody starts crying. And it's just wonderful. You know, what a gift music is. It is. And this is beautiful, going there and playing and making their lives more colorful. That's a blessing. Yes. Yes. And Charlie, yes. your new album is called Three Chords and the Truth. And your style has been described a fusion of blues, soul, folk, country, gospel, yes. and rock and roll. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying and to mix I know, trying to figure out what in the wide world of sports I'm doing, right? Yeah. It's... Um, it's 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 a gumbo, isn't it? Gumbo, uh, you know, you know, gumbo where you just put everything in the pot and cook it. It's very eclectic, and it's what I love to listen to. I, I I hate categories, and I hate you know just the limits of being boxed in. Of well, what genre of music are you? Are you? And I don't like being defined with you know categories that way because I like to listen. I get to play music and and express myself through music. That's just like the music that I like to listen to, which is all kinds. Louis Armstrong said there's only two kinds of music, good and bad, <laughs> right? I play good. My motto has always been in, in, in for Lightning Charlie, good music for good people, because I play country music. I, I love Hank Williams and I love Johnny Cash and I love Merle Haggard and I love, you know, Marty Robbins. I play rock and roll music. I love Elvis and 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 Little Richard and Fats Domino and Jerry Lee Lewis and all that rock and roll stuff. I love rock music. I adored the Beatles growing up. I still love the Beatles. I I love all that soul music, Otis Redding and James Brown and Ray Charles and and you know, I, I remember doing a show and and this is speaks to your question um about just how many different kinds of music because some people can be turned off when they hear you know a description that says well he plays he sings opera and he does ballet and he does you know heavy metal music and it's just like what you know that sounds horrible but it my goal has been because i love all those sounds that it becomes through a filter somewhere inside and where it comes out with your own voice and it comes out just sounding like you. Elvis did that. You know, Elvis, that was what he did was combine country music with rhythm and blues music and gospel music, the fervor of, of black gospel, and put that all together in something that was completely new. It's arguable if Elvis invented rock and roll or the king of rock and roll, all of that stuff is just, you know, subjective. But it's it's absolutely true that that he was the first to combine all those elements that became rock and roll. I just want it to come out sounding like me. And what we've done, Lucia, is we've recorded so much stuff. We've got two albums worth of material. And uh, here in the next month or two, when we finish when we finish up uh, mixing on the last two songs on the album, we'll go through the 20 or 25 songs that are finished and pick uh, 10 or 12 to be on this album, uh, Three Chords and the Truth. 
And it will, as, as you say, it'll have country stuff. It'll have rock and roll stuff. It'll have bluesy stuff. It'll have folky stuff. And uh, the trick is, is to make it all just gel together and sound like one thing. And, uh, you know, the title, Three Chords and the Truth, is a quote from a guy named Harlan Howard, a Nashville songwriter from the 60s that uh, wrote a lot of great songs uh, for artists, Ray Charles, Patsy Cline. But they asked him to define country music once. And he said, country music, it's three chords and the truth. You know, that, and that applies to whatever it is that my music is, whatever it is. I want it to be very sincere, very um, relatable. Uh, since we're on the RV, mm-hmm. we want it relatable. You know, we want this to be folk music in the sense that we want to communicate with people and minister to people and touch people. Although some of my songs have more than three chords, the idea is that it's it's simple and good, and uh, it's good music for good people. Mm-hmm. And when this album will be available? We're, we're looking at a, a fall of, of this year for the release, and we're very excited. Without a doubt, this is, is my best material. It's the best sound that I've ever captured in a studio. And When we went to this studio... Um, It was by accident. We were up on a family vacation visiting my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, and his family, and he's a musician. And he wanted to take my wife and I, my wife and I sing together. We do almost all of our shows uh, are as a duo rather than a full band. And uh, she comes from a musical family. And so her brother wanted to take us into a studio that he worked at, did some studio work at in um, Ontario, Canada, in Hamilton. And just for fun, bring a guitar. We'll cut a few songs just for fun. And we walked into this unmarked, it was a warehouse. And there's no, it wasn't a, you know, it didn't have a sign on the front that said, you know, recording studio. It was in this warehouse. There was a crew there filming a movie. uh, And there were, women on horseback riding around in the parking lot. It was a, they were filming a full length motion picture in this studio there. And and so I go into the recording studio and the engineer has a microphone set up for me to sing on and he's getting set up and I've got the guitar and my brother-in-law Joe has got his bass and my wife Beth is getting ready and we're getting ready to sing on this, uh, on this microphone. And I said to the engineer, because it was a very old RCA ribbon mic from the 50s. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I, I know I've got a picture of Sam Cook singing into an RCA 44 just like this one that looks just like this one. Because, you know, mm-hmm. anything that's 70 years old, whether it be an automobile or a guitar or that has a certain patina to it or a look, dent, scratches, that make it unique. And I told him, I said, I'm, I've got a picture of Sam Cooke, a close-up of his beautiful face singing into a mic that, that looks just like this one. And the engineer turned around and he said, well, that's because that's that mic. And I said, what? what? He said, all of this equipment is out of Bill Putnam's United Western recorders in Hollywood, California. And I, and I just looked at him and he said, Yeah, Sam Cooke sung on this mic, so did Frank Sinatra, so did Elvis, so did, you know, Tom Jones, so did, 
the Beach Boys, and he's, and and I started to cry wow. when he told me this because you know I was such a I'm such a weirdo and and for music I mean I wasn't sobbing, but I had tears I in my eyes at the prospect of singing on a mic and through equipment that I had heard since I'm three years old on on records and the sound I've been chasing my whole life. We're now I'm going to sing into it by accident in an Ontario, Canada. I was singing Standing on the Corner by Dean Martin at three. Dean Martin recorded Standing on the Corner at United Western in Hollywood. So did Ella Fitzgerald. So did the Righteous Brothers, everything. That studio had more million sellers than any other recording studio by far in history. That's how I am confident that I can say it sounds better than anything I've ever I'm recorded. Sure. This is fantastic. I'm sure it will bring kind of luck for you. I'd rather be lucky than good. Yes. And Charlie, you have been voted favorite musician in the mountain south for several years in a row. And you have acquired quite the fan base, also known as the Lightning Bugs. What I does love it. tell them again, Lucia? Tell them what what tell them what my family of fans are called again, because I just love to hear you talk. <laughs> tell them again, lightning bugs, right? The lightning bugs. So. Oh, I love it. Yes. What does performing your songs live mean to you? Everything. You can read about a lot of different performers and artists that say they only really feel alive on stage. I wouldn't say that's completely true. In my case, I, I'm blessed with a beautiful family. My wife and I are going to be celebrating our 26th wedding anniversary in a couple of weeks, and I'm more in love with her than ever. I've got all kinds of blessings in my life, um, but there's something about communicating to an audience through music. And again, being able to fulfill God's plan for your life using the gifts that he gave you, whether it be singing, dancing, painting, writing books, ministering to people as a therapist, as I know you are a history of physiotherapist and, and as an author and a painter, being able to express yourself with love towards other people. And bringing people together in that way is just the most beautiful thing in the world for me. And the act of doing that is so much fun. It's just so joyous, you know, when you're when you know when you're doing the thing that you're made to do and you're doing it and you, you have an audience that's that's involved in it, that's receiving it and giving stuff back. It just don't get better than that. It really doesn't. Yeah, I can imagine being on the stage with the lightning bugs. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Your name. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of the, a lot of your listeners know what lightning bugs are, like fireflies, right? Yes. Some people call them fireflies. I know in Florida, uh, you don't have fireflies. Mm. In Orlando, you have love bugs, right? Yeah, so we have a lot of a love lot of love stuff their little their little tails light up and they're so happy and uh <laughs> mm -hmm. that's our my fans are just 
a, a great, great group of people. Charlie, I, I'm looking forward to listening to your new album, to have you back, because I'm sure you, I want to go back to Tennessee and for our listeners that are here looking forward to know how they can connect with you. Can you share with us where we can find you online? Well, the um, and I would just first say you're welcome. You and your RV and your husband and your whole, your crew, uh, Gabby and Alicia have been wonderful to work with. Um, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of um, podcasts and, and, and radio interviews and things of late. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to just whisper it. I'm going to say, you're my favorite. Oh, <laughs> I, I just want to say that so that everybody or, uh, can hear me. Uh, that you all have been wonderful to work with. And all of my stuff, uh, merchandise, information, tour dates, all that stuff is at uh, my website, lightningcharlie.com, which is L-I-G-H-T-N-I-N, Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I-E.com. I'm just spelling that for my fellow Tennesseans <laughs> who have difficulty with all those consonants in a row. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, the Lightning Charlie Show on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Those are the, the best ways to reach me and to keep up keep up with me. I have a Bandcamp page. Which the thing about Bandcamp, Lucia, that's that's really great is that they're very artist friendly. If you're if you're looking to buy like a download, for example, I have a new a new single out of uh, just this month, last month, I guess in February, called American Eulogy. Uh, that's on my Bandcamp page. You can download it for $1.99. And the beautiful part of that for the artist is they share, uh, I think 80% is the artist share of that $2, uh, which is 10,000 times more than, you know, Spotify and, and, and iTunes and whatnot. So I would encourage people if they're looking to, uh, you know, download a, one of my new singles to check out my Bandcamp page which is um, lightning charlie one word dot bandcamp.com you know in that way for two dollars they get a great song and i get a dollar sixty and i bring the dollar sixty home and my wife splits it right down the middle with me 80 20 <laughs> she's smart <laughs> she's a smart girl yeah she married me huh uh -huh. she's 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 smarter than 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 i look uh -huh. I need to interview your <laughs> wife someday. <laughs> I know. My wife, as we mentioned before, she's a physical therapist assistant. Uh, she does home health where she's going into people's homes as a like house call, like an old fashioned house call with people who are homebound and can't even leave the house to go to an outpatient facility. She's she's going to their homes and Unfortunately, I don't sell enough records to uh, where she could quit her job and be sitting here next to me. But uh, I wish that were the case. But her work is just phenomenal. She's it's a, it's yeah. really a, a ministry. You know, the word minister means servant. It's a Greek word, right? To minister is to serve. And she's my favorite singer in the world. So, uh, you know, I get to sing with my favorite singer beside me all the time. I'm jealous. I cannot sing. I don't sing even in the shower. <laughs> really? Not even a little bit? Not, 
when you're driving in, in the RV, you're not singing along? If I'm alone. Your husband plays guitar, correct? Yes, but he can sing. We are not allowed to sing. <laughs> <laughs> not allowed out of the RV. Well, I know I speak for a lot of your fans. I don't know what your singing voice is like, but your your, your speaking voice is, is, is just so beautiful. You know, I'm sure that I'm echoing the sentiments of so many of your fans that listen just to, I, they want me to shut up and so they, they can hear you talk more, I'm sure. Thank you. I'm happy to tell you that some people write reviews telling that my voice is beautiful and I feel so See? like flattered and I want to say thank you for my, yeah. for my listeners who write reviews. Could I sing a song for you? Yeah. If I sing this, it's got a little bit of... You speak Italian, correct? Yes. Si, parlo italiano. It has a little bit of Italiano in it. And so maybe this could be your debut. You could sing along with me. Okay. If you if you feel feel good, just jump right in there, okay? Okay. Sulmare lucica Lastro d'argento Classi dell'onda, prospero il vento, venite all'agile barcetta mia, Santa Lucia, Santa Lucia. Bellissimo, bellissimo. I can't say. Prego. Grazie mille, grazie. Bellissimo. My Italian is terrible. No, but you sing beautifully. For our listeners, I want to tell them that you will be featured in our next issue of the Relatable Voice magazine. So they will be able to see you, to find your contacts, your socials, and to see a photo of you that I love. Wonderful. Thank you, for. I'm excited and looking forward to that. Yes, in April. I look, I look better in person. <laughs> yes. No, you look really young <laughs> online. Charlie, I really wanted to come back. Thank you. Thank you. I would love to I would love to come back. I, I promise to take you up on that. It's been just a joy. You've been a pleasure to talk to and to meet, Lucia. I hope uh I wish you nothing but good things and good health and lots of peace and love and joy and happiness and success and good food and sunshine and all those gifts of the spirit and uh keep up the good work and uh anytime you and rv are in tennessee you come by and see us you hear yes thank you and i wish you all that you wished to me i wish you in double thank you thank you If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.